This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Don't just learn, experience. Don't just read, absorb. Don't just change, transform. Don't just relate, advocate. Don't just promise, prove. Don't just criticize, encourage. Don't just think, ponder. Don't just take, give. Don't just see, Feel. Don't just dream, do. Don't just hear, listen. Don't just talk, act. Don't just tell, show. Don't just exist, live. By Roy T. Bennett, The Light in the Heart. Valeria Tellez interviews Kate Vertivo, the author of Words of Wellbeing A to Z. Kate Vredevo is also a blogger, artist, spiritual explorer, and healer, energy worker, and enthusiastic student of Earth School. She was born in Washington State, where she received degrees in linguistics and Spanish, and has spent the past nine years in southern Spain. She recently moved back to the Pacific Northwest. Her books are titled From the Same Quiver and Words of Well-Being A to Z, which is also available in Spanish with the title Palabras de Bienista. Energy work and shamanism are healing modalities that have called to her since childhood. She began her healing journey by receiving the three Reiki attunements. She then went on to study under the spiritual guides and masters of different lineages from Mesoamerica and South America. Kate is a recognized cacao medicine carrier and sahumadora following the Mayan tradition and has been ordained as a shamanic priestess by Kiro High Priest Pampayisiok Nicholas Pakar. She holds cacao ceremonies and combines the heart-opening plant medicine with shamanic practices from the Andean Cosmovision, as well as using drums and medicinal songs to further enhance the healing experience. Her work and her writing focus on building community, respectfully learning about the elevating indigenous teachings, personal empowerment, and connection. Meet Kate at wanderlustwords.com. Here's the interview with Kate Vertivo. In your own words, who is Kate Vertivo? Well, beyond being... <laughs> light and energy and 
a unique expression of the great mystery experiencing itself. <laughs> I would say that I am a person who has worn many hats throughout her life, sometimes at the same time, <laughs> and I'm sure I'll acquire many more. But if I'm going to identify, identify myself by the things that I do, which we often do, yeah, I would say that I am primarily a writer and a shamanic practitioner. And those two things for me are so intrinsically connected because through both of them, I think I'm always looking to build connection. And so I guess I could say that at the root of it all, I am a person who is hopelessly and helplessly devoted to connection. I guess the question that came to me when I was listening to you was, how did you come to this understanding about life itself and of yourself, Kate? Well, it's been a journey and it will continue to be one. Yeah, I think I, I understand things through writing about them. Uh, most of the writing that I do is personal narrative and memoir. And that's where... You know, I, I live life really fully. I know that about myself. I, I'm not afraid to go deep into it and experience all of the, the facets of human emotion and the human experience. But then I write about it and that's where I process it. And that's where I have revelations and make connections. And I think that's where I learn most about myself. It seems like life uh, is always trying to show us the way to liberation, freedom, per se, isn't mm -hmm. it? Like, I love the way you said that in one of your blog posts, you mentioned the purpose of life is to be happy. It's happiness. Mm -hmm. So talk to me for a moment about that, the purpose of the human experience, and also your idea of freedom. What is freedom to you? Oh, good questions. <laughs> We're getting right into it. <laughs> yeah. First, freedom to me, I can say that when I truly feel free is when I completely surrender to vulnerability when I allow myself to be vulnerable because in that vulnerability, I'm trusting that whatever's going to happen, um, it's going to be okay. I'm willing to take that risk. And in that vulnerability, I can connect to, to everything. I think that is freedom to me, being empowered to feel vulnerable. Right. What a beautiful answer. Thank you. And what was the, the other part of the question? <laughs> Could you happiness. The purpose of life being happiness. You right. mentioned that before. So happiness, yeah. I think that the purpose of life um, for each of us is a very individual purpose that has a very wide um, scope that touches everything around us. So if we take responsibility to to find our own authentic happiness and When I say happiness, I don't mean, um, you know, the adrenaline or the euphoria or, or that kind of thing. I mean more like serenity, more like inner peace. I think that we transmit that and it, it touches every, everything, every connection that we have everywhere we go. And it just raises the frequencies all around us. And I think, I think that's the purpose. It resonates true because I remember having this experience, too, of even the name Fit for Joy that came mm -hmm. to me when I was going through, wow, depression. That I mean, I diagnosed myself, of course, with that, yeah. using that word. But I remember like having suicidal thinking, no, and then this revelation, realization just came that, you know, it's you are fit for joy because I was a personal trainer at that time. So it was all about fitness and being fit physically. 
And then was like almost listening to life say that you're already there. You're already there. Isn't that amazing? In the midst of the darkest moments in my life, I realized that I was already there <laughs> in the sense of I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. This is it. That resonates with me a lot. Um, I struggled a lot growing up with a, a feeling of belonging, or rather feeling feeling like I didn't belong. And when I when I did finally realize that I belong because I'm here, by nature of being here, by existing, I belong. And by belonging, we just inherently are deserving of, of that, of being here, of happiness, of feeling loved, of loving. Do you believe it's a practice, Kate, or this is something that we realize a moment in time and then it carries on, you know, for the rest of our lives? How do you feel about these things? For me, it was a realization that couldn't be undone. Once, once I, it was an experience, you know, once I experienced it, it was there, but that doesn't mean that it's always present. It's always in the forefront. I do have to remind myself, I do have to um, do my spiritual practices and, you know, do the, the gardening, the mental gardening to make sure that the thoughts that I'm feeding myself <laughs> are yeah, supporting that idea. It's almost like um, receiving a gift and then taking care of the gift, yeah, isn't it? In a way. Exactly. Yes. You said trust. So this idea of trust, I love that word more than faith for some reason. So mm. are we trusting life? Like, who are you trusting when you say that? Hmm, that's a good question. I don't know if there is a recipient necessarily of that trust. I think it's just a state of being where you know that whatever it is that happens, it's okay in some way, in some form. It was either meant to happen or there will be a lesson that will come from it. There will be a solution or it's part of your journey. Just trusting that it's never wrong. Is that a belief system, would you say? Something that we are believing in or imagining? I suppose it could be. It could. I think of it more, more as a philosophy. I have interviewed a lot of spiritual teachers, especially on non-duality. You probably heard about um, Robert... Wolf, and yeah. he said to me, I asked him, is there any mystery? Do you feel like life is a mystery? He said, no, there's no mystery <laughs> at all. He was so confident, too, when he said that. Wow. It kind of never left me, his words, for some reason. I wonder, and I hear so many other guests, other people that I meet saying that, you know, life is a mystery. Uh, we are a mystery in itself, the unknown. Yeah. And then some people say that there is no mystery. Everything's here now, and it's so obvious that we actually miss it. I think the trap of calling it a mystery is that then we want to solve it. And therein, therein lies the, <laughs> the problem. So life isn't something to be solved. Ah, wow, I love that. And I heard that from somebody else, a shaman that I interviewed. He said, <laughs> there's no cure for life. And it seems like we're all looking for that. <laughs> that was kind of funny when he said it, but... At the same time, it was sad because it is true. It seems like we keep trying to find a solution, right, for something. Right. And then we ended up seeing life as a problem to be solved. Right. And it's a gift to be enjoyed and be grateful for. Uh, what an amazing experience this is. I keep going back to that in the really in awe, like how incredible, even to talk about these things. <laughs> yeah. So you wrote 
two books and you're writing another one, right, Kate? A new one. That's right. Yeah, you wrote Words of Well-Being, A to Z, and From the Same Quiver. Talk to me about the main inspiration and intention of writing these books. Well, like I said before, uh, most of the right all all of the writing that I do is um, it stems from personal experience. So my first book was uh, a memoir, a personal essay about a journey that I took across the United States um, in a car with my best friend for a couple of months, and how that journey led me to Spain, which is where I lived for the past nine years. I'm back in the in the states now, but so that's kind of a coming of age story and just a, a, an experience that I really wanted to share. And the second book, the recent, my most recent publication, Words of Wellbeing, this is a very special book to me. It's very dear to my heart because I wrote it and I don't even remember writing it. It was one of those flow moments. I mean, I wrote it, I think in two weeks and it was done. It was, it, it just felt channeled. So the, the idea of the book is, that every letter of the alphabet, I chose a word that for me represented some aspect of well-being in general. And with that word, I picked some of my favorite quotes from spiritual teachers and people that I admire and respect, artists, that were relevant to that concept. And then I wrote a reflection about it. And then I got together with my dearest childhood friend, who's a, an incredible artist, and she did illustrations for each but inspired by each of those reflections. So I would love to hear the letter that comes to me is the letter L because it has to do with love. Yeah. So yeah, talk to me about what did you write for that letter? Sure. Should I read it? Yes, please, short. please, Kate. Yeah. Love. And I just have to say that the illustration, <laughs> it's a beautiful illustration of my dog. <laughs> oh, yes, right. <laughs> love. The way of the miracle worker is to see all human behavior as one of two things, either love or a call for love. This is a quote by Marianne Williamson. Love is the most important word in any given language, but the many definitions of the word don't do it justice. According to the Cambridge Dictionary of English, love is the feeling of being romantically and sexually attracted to another adult, or can also refer to having strong feelings of liking a friend or person in your family. So love is just a more intense liking of something? I don't think so. According to Merriam-Webster, love is a strong affection for another arising out of kinship or personal ties. This is a better definition, but not great. When translating the Real Academia Española from Spanish, that dictionary calls love an intense human feeling coming from one's own insufficiency, which causes the need to look for and find a union with another. What? Love is not a feeling that fills a void, nor an impulse to find a union. Love understands that we are all already united. I'm going to try my hand at defining love. Love is the light that is turned on when you understand that everything is connected, that you don't end where your body ends, that in the words of Rumi, you are not a drop of water, but the entire ocean in one drop. Love is looking into another person's eyes and seeing yourself. Uh, yeah, uh, how many yes I can say to that. So true. Is there another section in the book that you'd like to read because it means a lot to you? Although the whole book, I know you just mentioned, it's very close to your heart. But there's any other section that you'd like to share? 
Sure. Yeah, I could read the letter Q. <laughs> the letter here is Q for quiet. The quieter you become, the more you can hear. Ramdas. If the ocean can calm itself, so can you. We are both salt water mixed with air. Nayira Wahid. Blaise Pascal once said, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. This famous quote reminds me that restlessness, anxiety, and boredom are not modern-day misfortunes, but they are basic obstacles that form part of the human experience. It is true that now more than ever, it's easier to distract ourselves and numb our pain using our technological devices. Even so, sitting quietly alone has never been easy. When we are still, we can hear our inner thoughts. Sometimes they're unpleasant, but they also contain insight that can't be accessed without quiet listening. Most of the time, we don't realize when we're dissociating from an uncomfortable emotion or situation, especially when we use technology and external stimulation like watching television. Years ago, I used to have the TV on constantly. I would put a series on my phone to keep me company while I cooked dinner, or I'd leave the news on while cleaning the house, just for some background noise. I didn't realize that, what I was avoid that I was avoiding being alone with myself, and I definitely didn't realize that the constant noise and stimulation weakened my connection with my intuition. I didn't grasp the value of turning everything off, even the lights, and just sitting in quiet darkness, but I do now. When we turn off the lights, we can see the stars. When we turn off the sound, we can hear our hearts. What I wonder is, why do so many of us have come to this way of existing, of living, of being so comfortable with noise, outside noise? What do you make out of that? What is your understanding of oh, that? Oh, I have a lot of <laughs> thoughts and opinions about that. That's a big, big topic. Um, and it's something that we all do to varying degrees, you know, because because we don't know how, I think, to reckon with what we'll find if we <laughs> if we go in, you know, those first times when you really step into that shadow part of your of your being, it can be terrifying the things that turn up. And I don't know that we're necessarily taught the tools you know, like in ancestral um, knowledge and healings and teachings, I feel like they 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 did have the tools. They shared the tools and and had the support to be able to face those demons and and shine light on them. But I don't know that we know how to do that in this modern culture, and so it's scary, and that's why we avoid it. But with practice, little by little, we come to to realize that even those really dark, scary parts of ourselves have beauty. And once we can look at them, you know, face to face and integrate them and then eventually love them, then we just become more complete and whole and integrated and beautiful. <laughs> it seems like natural to push away darkness or pain, anything that sounds negative, we try to yeah, right to run from. The first question is, how do we find you? Like, what's the best way to work with you? Okay. Well, yeah. So I, I run a blog. Uh, it's called wanderlustwords.com. And that is also the publishing house where I, I publish my uh, books. And people can find me there. I write about everything. Yeah, I know. <laughs> everything that, that happens <laughs> shows up there. And, and they can reach me in that format. I'm also on Instagram at 
cacao or um, cacao with Kate. So the work that I do with people has a lot of different, I don't know, a lot of different expressions. Um, I do Reiki healings and I can do those, you know, from a distance as well. So people can, um, can reach out to me for that. And then I, what's really, really exciting to me right now that I'm having so much fun doing mm. our cacao ceremonies, mm, yeah. bringing people together in circle and sharing that mm. sacred medicine. Of course, they have to be physically where I am <laughs> in order to do that. True. Uh, yeah. Oh, but that's, that's it's a, a practice that I'd like to grow and share and, and um, bring different places. And I also do shamanic work. So things from divination using um, <laughs> a certain tool called chumpicuyas, which come from the Quero region of Peru, which is kind of the lineage that I follow in shamanism, to um, things like soul retrievals and extractions, or even just um, going into the spirit realm and, and finding some, some guidance for someone. So cacao ceremonies, do you hold those events every week, every month? Oh, no, yeah. no, that would be too, oh, <laughs> that too would many. Be too much <laughs> yeah. Right, because, it, you know, if you leave a ceremony feeling exhausted, then something went wrong. But that's not to say that it doesn't require a certain level or a certain energy expenditure. I mean, when I'm, when I'm going into ceremony, I spend a couple of days if not a week, really preparing for it, making sure that I'm on the right frequency, that I'm clear and that I'm, I'm ready to hold that space because I, I take it as a, a huge responsibility. So I like to do them at most twice a month and that even seems sometimes a little too much. So I just listen to when I feel like I can give the best of myself. And how does it work, Kate, for those who don't know? Well, cacao ceremonies can have many different, you know, ways of, of being done. I am also trained in what's called salmacion, which is a type of Mayan smudging, smoke clearing with copal. So I always have those two elements in the ceremonies, the salmacion and then the drinking the cacao. Um, so, you know, we get we get in a circle. Um, we we speak a little bit about the, you know, the ancestral knowledge the indigenous communities where this knowledge has come from i i speak a little bit to my teachers uh, about my teachers giving them you know the the credit and the respect that they deserve we learn a little bit about the lineages because that is all very important to me and then you know we we think about our intentions we we do our salmacion our smudging we'll drink the cacao we'll have some time to reflect we'll do a meditation um, and then once that is all, that, that takes about an hour and a half to two hours, <laughs> depending on the group. And then my favorite part of the ceremony, really, mm. <laughs> is the end when we're in kind of the, the release phase where, you know, the cacao is pulsing through our veins and we're feeling that, that opening, that connection, that, wow. And that's when I pull out my drum. <laughs> and, oh, wow. Yeah, and we wow. do some medicine songs. Yeah, that can be a really really beautiful moment especially here at least where I live in this this community but I think also very much in just modern culture we think so much or we're so concerned when it comes to music and singing we're so concerned with the performance you know what people are going to think about it like we're creating this music for someone else 
but really this is about the expression the you know the releasing and it doesn't matter what it sounds like or what it looks like it doesn't matter at all it's about the experience of it and I think it's really powerful to create that space where people can experience that people who have maybe never sung outside of the shower <laughs> is that for everyone can everyone participate or would you recommend the cacao ceremony for certain people I think it's available and accessible to everyone provided um, I mean there are certain things like if you're nursing or pregnant you should limit your intake to a very small amount or if you're taking certain antidepressants there could be a chemical interaction but in terms of just emotionally um, it's available and accessible to everyone however I would not go around telling everyone that they should go to a cacao ceremony I think it's a medicine that you'll find when it's right for you yeah it's almost like it will find you right the medicine yeah, the plant that's right. it's a calling <laughs> right it sounds very much like a calling that's what uh, sometimes I ask the question about the difference between calling and purpose mm. do you see any difference yeah I think calling kind of comes from outside of you something is calling you towards it whereas purpose is born from within mm. perhaps at least that's how it came to me but I mean they, they can interact and they can coincide or overlap perhaps or one can lead you to the other a calling can lead you to your purpose a blog post that you wrote on your website the title is reflections and intentions and there you said thanks to my dad I had the courage to start on the path of learning energetic healing, Reiki therapy, and training to become a shamanic practitioner. He showed me my calling. Speaking of calling. Speaking of calling. <laughs> yeah, isn't it interesting? So talk to me for a moment about your father and that mm -hmm. connection that you had with him. I listened to the music, uh, the mm -hmm. song by Beautiful beautiful piece of music by what's his name jerry douglas that's right yeah that's uh that song wow beautiful <laughs> song right yeah well um for people who don't know for a little bit of context my dad passed away in july uh, he had an advanced parkinson's disease and he chose v said which is voluntarily stopping eating and drinking as his end of life decision so the family primarily my mother and i were here with him for 11 days as he made his transition. And actually, that's what this, la this third book that I've just finished writing is about. But my connection with my dad has, uh, I mean, wow. He was such a, a, an important figure in my life. And we didn't always have the best relationship. You know, when I was younger, um, he had some stuff he was working through. And so I got to experience that as a, as a kid. But as I grew... Um, he also evolved, and I can see that now looking back, how much he evolved. In fact, his best friend said that while he was going through his visa process. He told me that my dad was the person that that he knows that has ev had evolved most in his life of anyone. So, yeah. So I learned a lot with my dad and from my dad, and I think I taught him some things too, but music is something that always connected us, definitely. And he was just such a gentle spirit that, You know, I felt like I could always talk about my, um, I don't know, my spiritual wonderings or, you know, <laughs> stuff I was into. And he'd be um, supporting. When did you know that he was the catalyst in, in a way for that calling within you 
there was a moment in time? There were two. Yeah. So, and I, I had always been interested in shamanism and spiritual practices, but I hadn't taken that, you know, that big leap to say, I am, I am this, this is me. Right. And that was the first thing was, um, a past life regression that I did through hypnotherapy through his, his, um, process with the disease, because I started thinking a lot about death, what it means, what happens. And in this regression, uh, I had a, you can read about it on the blog. Um, but I met, well, anyway, so uh-huh. <laughs> some information was revealed to me. Uh-huh. Let's just, yes. Let's yeah. just put it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the second thing was that I was with him the moment that he transitioned and so there's a, there's a, um, a function in sham, shamanism called, um, or a, yeah, called a psychopomp. And that is the person that helps lead souls through the portal into the, where they're going, other dimension, you know. And, uh, this is a very serious job that requires a, a, a very experienced practitioner. And I did that for my father. And I was aware of it while it was happening. Mm. Yeah, I, and at that moment I knew, okay, yep. <laughs> this is it, yeah. This is it. How would you describe the meaning of death as of today, as of now? Oh, I, death. For me, um, it's the end of a cycle. It's the end of a cycle. It's a transition. It's a transformation. It's a, it's a release. That sounds uh, interesting. I think Rhonda said that, didn't he? Did he? About <laughs> removing the shoes, <laughs> tight shoe. Yeah. Death is like taking off some tight shoes. Just um, it feels so good. Well, I, I saw my dad do that. You know, I saw did. Right. Saw him hanging on for days, and that there was mm. something that he was he was doing work in there. I could see it, and then I saw the moment when he released it. He was done with that work, and he relaxed into the idea of let, just letting it go. What comes to me more often than not is that this experience of being here in the human body or the human body, it doesn't have to be, but it is, right? Because we are already connected to that infinite, absolute reality, whatever we call it, the, the non-dual reality. It's the unconditional love so it's already here anyway. So I wonder why do we have to have this experience of separation? Well, I think through the experience of separation, we have the opportunity to awaken to the, to the, to the oneness, to the love. And I think in that journey, we do a lot of growing and learning and evolving. What I wonder, I have asked, I think, here to some the non-duality teachers that I have interviewed and I have read some things about it too, that the question was asked about, is it possible to separate from the one, from the absolute reality? And the answer was no, it's not possible. It's impossible. So if that is impossible to separate, which feels like it uh, now, to me, it really feels like it's like everything is one. Not that I can see that every moment of the, the day, but I can see it clearly. Mm-hmm. So the, the answer was, it never happened. So, which means we are imagining, it was never created, actually. Everything that is happening has never been created. It's just from the power of the mind. That's how powerful it is. Mm-hmm. So there's one thing that caught my attention. Let me see. 
The blog post that you wrote titled Shamanism, A Dance Between Worlds to Help Heal This One. And then you said, the most powerful lesson that shamanism has taught me is that all of the answers are within our reach if we are willing to journey to find them. Well, yeah. Here, here, here I was referring to the shamanic journey specifically, not the, the journey of life, so to speak. It's almost like finding the answers that we want to find or the answers that we are supposed to find in a way to go right, back I, to that, right? To the want to know. I wouldn't say that they're always, I, I don't always find the answers I want to find. <laughs> in mm. fact, sometimes I find answers that I never would have expected and that really kind of pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> right, because we cannot control life. Although we do try on, don't we? <laughs> try to to know everything. I love the way you said that earlier about the mystery, life being a mystery, because by perceiving life this way, then we're always trying to, to find the answer for something. And so in a way, in a way, I do uh, love the idea that this is not a mystery. Like uh, Robert Wolf said, life, this is not a mystery. And on the other hand, the paradox again, I love the idea of exploration, exploring uh, mm-hmm. what this is. So how interesting. I think in the end of the blog post, what the cacao told her, that's mm-hmm. the title you say, just for that moment, her pain was my pain and her healing was my healing. I felt so loved. Do you want to talk for a moment about that? That's an interesting story, I mean, beautiful story. Cacao spoke to me deeply. We connected deeply the, the first time that I um, was in a ceremony. And I think even deep down at that ceremony, I knew that Cacao was telling me that it wanted to work with me, that we were meant to work together. Um, I later found out that we'd been working together for many mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. Past, but <laughs> mm, right, right. That's a story for another day. Right. So this ceremony I was invited to um, and that that specific day I had had a terrible fight with my then partner and I was feeling just wretched awful my self-esteem was just ugh, trashed and I thought how can I how can I go to this place with these you know beautiful spiritual beings and to, to do the ceremony of love when I'm just gonna you know rub off all my toxic energy on them I can't do this and then I thought Maybe this is exactly what I'm supposed Mm. to do. Maybe I need to trust them Mm. to be able to hold space for this that I'm feeling. So I went and, and it was amazing. It was beautiful. I felt so held and we did a meditation after, I didn't know anyone there really, but we did a meditation after drinking the cacao in which we connected with the cacao spirit and uh, we were given a gift like individually and I just, that moment when I put out my hands, you know, as I'm visualizing, put out my hands to receive the gift. And it was just this ball of light that was mm. self-worth. Mm. And wow. I felt it. I wow. felt it all like in my solar plexus. I felt it everywhere in every fiber of my being. Mm. And it was exactly what I needed. There is a, the blog post you wrote that's called uh, Inevitable Music. I yeah. think I mentioned earlier about the beautiful piece of music. And then uh, you have a quote from Victor Hugo, where he says, music expresses that which cannot be put into words and that which cannot remain silent. Mm-hmm. How beautiful this is. I love, love, love how open you are to life, 
Kate. Uh, <laughs> it's incredible. How can we human beings can just open, open the heart <laughs> and give ourselves to life the way That's you do. That's what my work is. That's mm. what cacao is. That's what, <laughs> is. That's what even uh, writing is. Thank you so much for being you and for being open to this, <laughs> which we call life. Yeah. So I do have a few more questions for you, the ending sure. questions. But before that, would you like to add anything else that we didn't discuss, that we didn't cover today? No, I would just, I guess, encourage anyone who is feeling interested by anything we've talked about, cacao medicine, shamanism, if you, if you feel interested, investigate. There's so much there that um, that we can learn from <laughs> and find out about ourselves through. But that's all. I wish you were close to me. I'll bring my whole family <laughs> to you, Kate. <laughs> I, everybody around me. That would be amazing. <laughs> wow. It might happen one of these days. So yeah. my ending questions, let me see. I'll ask you this one. What is another word for healing? Oh, another word for healing. Hmm. <laughs> Another word. I could talk about what healing is mm, right. to me. <laughs> yes, you could. <laughs> well, I guess we could say that healing is maybe integration, perhaps. I think that could be a good word. And my last question is, what three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? Oh, the first one, definitely. Okay, you know how people say we're all connected. Oh, because we're all connected. We are all one. Right having that experience because really truly feeling that in your bones doesn't happen at all times every day it's only happened to me a couple a handful of times where i've really really felt it and it makes everything worth it so i wish that that experience in lakota language we are all connected we are all related and I think with that, wow. I think that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's like three in one, right? Yeah. Powerfully, beautifully. <laughs> yes, a trillion times to that truth. <laughs> and to that experience, right? If we can have that, that would change everything. It really does. Thank you so much again, Kate. Thank you for, for having me. It's such a joy to be part of this beautiful space that you've created. It's just an honor. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the encouragement. The body appreciates. Yeah. <laughs> it's the yeah. only part that complains. I always <laughs> say that because it is the truth. <laughs> yeah, right. And then before we say goodbye, I want to go back to uh, how can the audience find you? So where can we find more information about your work and services and the ceremonies and future projects? Yeah, it's all on my website, wanderlustwords.com. There they can find the Instagram, um, the events, the blog, uh, my publications. I think that's a <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> I'll have the link on your podcast profile too. Thank you so much again, Kate. And Thank we'll you, talk Valeria. Soon. Bye for yeah, now. Yeah, I hope so. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Kate Vertival and her work, please visit wanderlustwords.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>